You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the incredible, the one who carries the weight of these shows, if I'm honest, Agent Smith. <laughs> Mr. Bilyeu, you're too kind. Dude, I was really thinking about that today. I was like, man, I used to like... <laughs> Chase. <laughs> there are mics over here, Chase. We can hear you. Oh, that wasn't you? I'm That's selling Cindy. Chase out. Yeah. Cindy, the voice of the community, making her presence felt in this after impact. That was amazing. Um, I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, um, wow, I used to like really get like hardcore taking notes and all that. Yeah. And then I found like your flow was awesome. So I just, so now cool. I watch the episodes. I relax knowing that you're going to show up ready to play, armed with those questions, yeah. taking it into a cool place. And I'm super grateful for that. So All right, well, to the glad, community, this man is crushing out. it. Um, we are talking about Dr. Andy Walsh today, this man right here. Um, and if you're joining us, this is After Impact. This is a show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory. Probably should look at that camera. We are pre-recording this because of vacation. Yes. I wouldn't call it vacation. It's not quite vacation. We're going to, yeah, we're going to Cannes, which I'm excited about from like a, hey, it's a beautiful part of the world I've never been to, but we're going there for Cannes Lion um, with the Vayner Squad. Very excited about that. And then headed over to London, and that is closer to vacation, but also going to be doing London Real, which I'm very excited about that, and doing a meetup, by the way, for all the Londoners in the house. So Cool. Come, let's get together. So unfortunately, this isn't live, but uh, you can always join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for After Impact um, on Facebook, and it will be live, and you can ask questions. So let's dive into Dr. Andy Walsh today. So he is an elite athlete trainer. He is um, a leading expert on hacking human performance. So what this means is he's worked with, for many decades, some of the best athletes in the world um, in extreme sports and help them reach a new level of performance. So he currently is the director of um, athlete performance at Red Bull and works with all of their athletes on their teams and also does a lot of work with DARPA. So working for the government Mm. to figure out how can we push human potential farther, which is super interesting. He worked with Felix Baumgartner on the Stratus, Red Bull Stratus uh, skydive freefall yeah um which was which is really exciting and um he's just got an, a lot of interesting projects he's working on so it was a really cool episode to get into his mind a little bit and i want to start it off with um the flight or fight response because that was kind of a big thing that he works with the athletes on trying to help them manage but also help them um, become more comfortable in situations yeah. when that's triggered and i wanted to ask you because i know you talk a lot about getting in control of your emotions so first, um, what is that like for you? How do you get in control of your emotions? And then second, is there any way to tap into those emotions, flight or fight, to get actually greater performance? Wow, that's interesting. Like going reverse, like if you're too calm, like to yeah. try to amp things up a bit. Well, that's interesting. So, and perfect timing with this episode. So the um, the 
Andy Walsh episode and the Jim Quick episode were my flu games. So yeah. those are the two where I can't. I wasn't sure, like, re-watching these. Like, like how would I come across? Yeah. You can hear it in my voice a little bit, but I, like, Energy's I, thought, solid. Yeah, yeah. I thought it hung together pretty yeah. well. Um, and so that's an example of a time where I was literally forcing myself to project energy because I felt absolutely none of it. Now, I don't think of that as clicking over into fight or flight yeah. because that really, from a neurophysiological standpoint, is not an effective way to perform. So the, the real question becomes, okay, why do you kick into fight or flight if your life is in danger when the stakes are absolutely at their highest? And I... Like really thinking about it, I don't know, especially for fight, I don't know that it's a very controlled mechanism. And mm. so from like a did nature get it right standpoint, I'm going to posit that nature did not get it right. Mm. And that when you look at the highest performing athletes, all of them get to like an amazing place because they're able to overcome the natural inclination and get into a calm and creative state. So I'll take MMA fighters as like the perfect example. So sure. when you go into a cage, um, you could actually get broken. Like, and I'll even sort of discount death. Like, probably nobody's walking into the cage thinking I might die in this fight, which actually is a possibility. Sure. But you know every time going in that you might permanently get injured and not like accidentally like the other person is actively trying to injure you yeah um and that that to me is crazy and so is it the person that comes in and is wholly um in the grips of the fight or flight response they're swinging wildly the heart rate is through the roof they're breathing heavy there's no blood in the prefrontal cortex everything is um you know, going to, I'll call baser, like animalistic stuff. Do they ever win? No, they don't. Unless they land like one lucky flailing punch. And when you hear guys that gas out, they'll say like my um, arousal was so high. Like you just can't, you can't maintain that level. It's in and of itself, it's exhausting. Like right. you're, you're, um, yeah, the, the breath, I, I, we're now at the edge of my understanding of like physiologically what's happening with oxygenating the muscles and all that. Like why, when everything is so elevated, I guess there's just only so many cycles you can run, but it's, it exhausts them. Mm -hmm. And so they gas out really fast. Whereas the guy that can stay calm, keep his heart rate down, breathing regulated. Um, they're the ones that do well. And I remember seeing, um, I think it was uh, oh, Coach Jackson. I forget his first name. It's not Randy, which is, of course, my first instinct. Um, Craig Jackson? Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson. Almost certain that's too true for um, George St. Pierre. Okay. And it was a championship fight. And George comes in between rounds and, and is sitting down. And he seemed really calm to me. And Greg Jackson was like, you need to calm down. And I was like, what? And he's like, in through your nose, out through your mouth. And like, you just see George going to like an even deeper level of calm. And I was like, wow. Like when George, like my sort of average day, I'm not as calm as George was. Like when he was telling him, you need to calm down, <laughs> in George. The of the fight, yeah, yeah, I was like, whoa. So there's like this whole other level where you're in control. And I think the most important part is engaging the higher regions of your brain. Now I say that with the full awareness that you don't actually wanna be thinking about what you're doing. You wanna be in flow, no question. And there's that great Bruce Lee quote, kick until you don't think kick, you just kick, right? Flow, get into flow. Right. And, but be so practiced that you can slide into it. 
So I find that really interesting. So I would never say that I would want myself to go into fight or flight mode. The only time that like I find anxiety serves me is leading up to something where it makes me, it's low level, but it makes me take it seriously Mm -hmm. so that I really do like the research and I really put in the time and effort because I don't want something to go wrong. And when you think like, oh, I've got it, then that's also when people fall off. So there is like this, middle range where you want to be aroused enough that you're taking it seriously, that you're putting in the work to make sure that you're hyper-focused and all of that, um, to get into flow. And that is, and, and I'm very much processing out loud here. That is an interesting part of flow that they say the stakes have to be high and that if the stakes aren't high enough, if there isn't enough arousal for you to switch into flow, then you're really going to be in trouble. But, uh, And so from that standpoint, I would want to get myself there. I do always want to take things seriously. Like, you know, my competition is when I show up and do an interview, but I really like you then break immediately and your performance begins rapidly degrading when you get into a true state of anxiety. Yeah. Um, So, and I'll, I'll push this a little bit farther because I find this really interesting. I can tell you want to move on, but um, the, when I'm playing, uh, video games. So this is where I realized like this is actually really beneficial. And when I think about how do you practice when you don't have access to Red Bull and all of you know Andy Walsh and his team, um, how do you practice getting into a situation where you trigger into fight or flight and practicing to get it down? And first person shooters playing against real 14 year olds that want to um, make fun of you that that like literally I can feel like as the match is like really close you can feel the anxiety and like you're coming in this moment where maybe it's like you versus two people and in those moments you have to literally I force myself to shift down and not up so it's like you know and you let it go like as that collision is coming like I force myself to actually like lower my state of arousal so that I can stay aware, so that I can figure out where everybody's going. Because if you ramp up and you're like, okay, here it comes. Like if you're doing that, then you're, it's actually worse and you perform worse. And it's so counterintuitive too. Um, and it's really odd. Like I know big wave surfers train for being held underwater, right? Mm. For be, getting like a two wave hold down, which could last a minute or more. And that would be scary. Your first inclination, like having spent a lot of time in the water, your first inclination is just to like panic and reach for the surface, right? right? But you can't do that. And the moment you start panicking, you just lose your breath. Mm. And so you just have to stay calm, even though you're getting tossed in the water and it's dark and you're disoriented and you don't know which end is up. You just have to stay calm and just let it, let it happen. Mm. And it's really counterintuitive and you have to train yourself to do that. It's, yeah. it's on. Um, that's really important, by the way. Like, I'm not a surfer at all, but like, I can put myself in that position. Learning to relax is so key. Yeah, learning to relax is is a key part of flow, right? So it's making sure that you're in a situation that's sufficiently intense, but then not escalating. Like, learning to lower that really, really important. From uh, I mean, surfing is actually dangerous. So I don't know that I'll encourage people to go out and hey, practice getting pounded by waves right, and being yeah. held down and not being able to breathe. I wouldn't encourage but, that either. Like if that's something that you're doing, I can see why surfers hit sort of that mellow vibe. Like having to learn to deal with that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Definitely. Um, there's another part in this episode where you talk about taking obtuse angles to get people to think differently in situations. So mm-hmm. it's again. Um, 
Dr. Andy Walsh, his goal is to trigger the flight or fight response, um, but he can't do it with a big wave surfer by taking them out at Jaws or something or Mavericks right. because they're so accustomed to that. So he does different things. Like you mentioned in the episode, he has, he's like put a bear, like literally let loose a bear, a on real bear, yeah. which is crazy. It's and a trained it's, bear, but okay. like, Ooh. Like imagine if you weren't expecting that and I, you know, you ran into the kitchen to grab something and there was a There's, grizzly bear. Right. Like, yeah, that's instant escalation. Is there a video of that, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I don't, it's stills. They have oh, still okay. images. So oh, you yeah, can see, see the that. people like coming around the corner and the bear is like right there. It's <laughs> incredible. Crazy. Um, do you ever try to employ something like this in, in a business setting for yourself? No, but I do try to take advantage of the situations that present themselves. Okay. So inevitably you end up in a situation where either surprise, like it's escalating and like something's going crazy. And so this comes back to my obsession with this notion that everything is just an opportunity to practice. All of life is about practice, not performance. Yeah. So when I'm in a moment like that, where there's a lot of money on the line or where you're taken by surprise with someone's emotions and they're like getting wound up or somebody's pissed or two people are clashing or whatever. Um, in that moment, I literally say to myself, this is practice, it's not performance. Okay, that lowers me a notch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then it's like in through the nose, out through the mouth. Mm -hmm. That lowers me a notch again. Then I envision like the blood trying to leave my prefrontal cortex and I'm like, I'm going to need that. And so putting it back. And the one thing that you can really feel is your heart rate. And so actually trying to like just focus on lowering your heart rate. So that I do a lot. Um, I think that's really important. And in, in like once you get to a sufficiently high level of business, that happens pretty regularly. I won't say once a day, but... I mean, it's close where like things are coming out of the blue. A client is um, pissed off. Uh, somebody like I remember walking into um, we went to uh, I got I won't say who, but we went to one of our most important retailers and I literally have no idea that there's like any beef. And I walk into the room and they like start not laying into me. But like they were clearly agitated. Yeah. And I was like, this is just practice, like not performance. And, and because it so took me by surprise, it was like, okay, this is a fantastic opportunity to like not only get myself there, but now I have to execute. Now can I get everybody back on the same page? Can we get through this moment where everybody is now back to being open-minded, where we can have a productive dialogue? Right. And doing that, like really being prepared to show up on game day, that's very important. So you never know when they're going to present themselves, but they will present themselves. And if you remember to practice in those moments, you can make use of them. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you, back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly 
and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply yeah, and uh, one of the objectives of Andy Walsh with his team is they're trying to create what he calls anchor memories. Mm. So when the bear, you know, comes around the corner and you remember the response you had in that moment and you can apply it to different situations. So I want to ask you about anchor memories. Do you use those? Like, for instance, when you're going on stage to give a big talk, you probably run through the routine you just talked about and mm. kind of lowering your anxiety. But are there any memories that you pull back um, yeah, I don't do it all the time, but I definitely use that technique of, okay, you were in this situation and you crushed it this time. Yeah. You did that, you crushed it that time. Like those are, that's really important. And that from the notion of what happens in anxiety is people obsessively imagine a future that hasn't happened, but is negative. And they think about it so much, they start getting worked up. Or they may have had something in the past that really did go wrong. And so yeah. they obsessively think about that and how bad it felt and how embarrassed they were and how they feel like it really ruined their reputation, like whatever. And they'll just over it and over it and over and over. And that hardwires that anxiety response. Mm -hmm. So obsessively thinking about things that have gone positively, that is really important because then you're going to hardwire that this is actually a great space for me. This is a chance for me to shine. And that was one of the things that really like got me um, back. So when I was young, I would get nervous, but not anxious to speak in front, in front of people. Yeah. And that was like sort of my happy place. And I'd gotten very good at it. I'd practiced through high school. We've talked about my lunch table comedy routines and like all that. And I'd just done it so much, so much, so much and gotten so much positive feedback. It was a great place for me. Then I get into business. I'm always out of my element. I always feel clumsy and awkward. So I begin like talking in front of people now is triggering anxiety, which was totally foreign for me. Yeah. And so then it's like, how do you get that going back in the opposite direction so that you can feel empowered again? And part of it was using all those anchor memories of all the times that it had gone well, yeah. obsessively thinking about those instead of the times that it went poorly. And then like, because here's, this is where it gets really weird. So let's say that you're anxious going into something, like really anxious, yeah. but then you murder it and you do an amazing job. What you'll obsessively think about is how anxious you were. You're right. And so you forget, like you have to force yourself to remember, whoa, 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 whoa. That wasn't uh, like problem that was awesome like you showed up you shined this was amazing this is a chance for you to really do something and show people what you're about and i also think that you get the sort of cultural collision of don't be arrogant and this is why i'm so bullish on pride people need to be proud of themselves because otherwise what happens is 
hey, I felt really anxious going into it. Oh, uh, I, you know, I did okay. I did right. it like I did. And you're downplaying your mm-hmm. performance. And so then afterwards, because you won't allow yourself to really go, I fucking crushed it. Like I showed up, I played. I did a great job. I'm really proud of myself. I'm good at that. I've worked really hard to get good at that. And I had a chance to shine and I shined. Right. So instead of that, because you won't allow yourself that, then you default back to the peak sort of emotional experience that you're allowing yourself, which was I was anxious as all hell. And so you obsessively focus on that. So realizing that, dude, if I crush it, I'm just going to own it. I crushed it. And that does not come naturally for me. Yeah. By nature, like I want to downplay everything that I've done. I want to like, you know, um, be humble, be chill. But like being proud of yourself does not mean that you're arrogant. And so I think people confuse us. I am humble. Like I'm, I truly am prepared to sit at the feet of others and learn. I don't overvalue the things that I'm good at, but I understand like where they play. I understand how they help build my self-esteem. Um, I'm proud of all the work that I've put in. So being able to own the things you do well, own the things that you don't do well, and really look at both in accord, and then just understand the whole notion of do and believe that which moves you forward, obsessively thinking about anxiety is not going to help. So bad strategy. I think that's such an important um concept and distinction for people. I know I've struggled with it. I know most people have probably struggled with the fact that you tend to just focus on the negative things, the things that went wrong, right? Like, yeah, it was good, but there were these little mistakes. I could have done this better. I mean, people, especially people who are ambitious and who, you know, want to achieve greatness. It's like, you're looking for those things that you can improve. And sometimes it's easy to forget the things that went well which will trigger further anxiety in the future. So one book that um, I just want to give a quick shout out to is uh, Performing Under Pressure. Mm. Is that J.P. Pally Fry? J.P. Pally Fry, I believe. Yes, Pally Fry. Um, that is a very detailed book. It gives tons of strategies about how to deal with situations like this when you uh, your anxiety is spiking and you need to perform in a situation. And one of the key things is you got to have that cookie jar, as Goggins would say. Right. you got to remember the times that you perform, the times that you pulled through, that you, um, uh, you know, that you, you've suffered and, and persevered and when times are hard. And that's one of the key strategies before mm-hmm. you go into situations like that. A part of my brain is screaming that it's J.P. Palu Fry. So I'm going to go with that okay. final answer. Paulo. All right. J.P. Palu Fry. Cool. Um, let's go to next question here. So... I'm really fascinated in this episode that you kept asking um, Walsh about, you know, what what is it that you're looking to help people with these athletes? And he was saying it's not we're not helping them with their craft. They're already masters of their craft. Mm. Really, we're trying to take them to the next level with themselves. It's about their psychology. It's about, you know, them being more introspective and personal development. It was so fascinating. And so it's about getting them to understand who they are, which is, I think is a strong argument for anyone to work on that now, right? Like you don't have to become a master of your craft mm. bef- to start working on that. So is there, there is, do you think there's one before the other or do you think you can do? Um, if anything, I think character comes first. I think really developing, because the buying into human development is buying into the foundation of how you learn and how you excel. And so I think that, you know, it'd be fascinating to look at like what these early coaches are teaching their students, 
but certainly about that sport or whatever it is that they're trying to get great at. They would have to instill in them, even accidentally, a belief that you can get better, right? Otherwise, why show up every day? Sure. So already you've got a growth mindset in that area. It may not carry over to other areas. They may start you know, telling them, no, it's just that you're talented at this, and now we're trying to maximize your talent. But if you didn't have talent, then you can never do it. But certainly in that arena, they're really going to believe that they can grow and improve through discipline practice. Um, so... That, like laying that foundation, I think is so, so critical. The thing that I loved about what Andy was talking about is the concept of character. Like we're, mm -hmm. we actually select, he said like when we're trying to put together a team, we select for character first. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm surprised by that because some of the greatest athletes in the world like seem to utterly lack character. And I will say, and I'm not going to say this person by name and I'm not even sure why, but while I was researching um, Jay Williams, who's an upcoming episode, great, fascinating story, like this guy, really interesting. Yeah. And while I was researching him, I just kept encountering like other basketball players. Mm -hmm. And there was one guy people kept talking about. So I was like, I'm just going to go look this kid up. And his skill set is unbelievable unbelievable and i was like how is this guy not one of the, the most famous basketball players of all time because he's a dick and i was like character means something right like just wanting to be on his team i was like i bet people don't want to play with this guy yeah like yeah. because he just seems like a jerk and so that concept of character is is pretty critical and i would much rather meet somebody that i was like this cat's got some character. Like, I want to be around them. I think they're a good human being. I'd rather that, like, and I would certainly rather somebody said that about me than that I was exceptional at something, but, like, nobody wanted to be around me. Like, that, uh. So I love, when he said that, I was like, I love that that's, like, an anchor point or a foundational element to, like, high-level success. Yeah. That makes me very happy. Yeah, it was super interesting. I mean, especially because I think a lot of the projects they're working on, they're really team efforts and the stakes are so high mm. that everything has to go right. Everyone on the team has to be performing and they have to trust each other. And he, I think he mentioned like, yeah, if people aren't showing up with the equipment that they we need for the day and they don't own up to it, like that's a clear indication that they don't have the character for this team and right. um, they usually fall off. Um, but you've hired a lot of people. So is that a selection criteria criterion for you? It's well? almost the only selection criterion. Yeah. So there's three things that I look for in any teammate. Drive, ambition, and compassion. Like I want people that really, really, have grand ambition like mm -hmm. you've got to want something partly because otherwise i'm going to seem crazy to you but also like i want people who are intrinsically driven i don't want to have to be their energy i don't want to have to be the one pushing them i don't want to feel like i'm dragging people around right. like my wife never has to remind me to get up and work my ass off ever and i never have to remind her right like she shows up to play i show up to play like that's such a nice thing in somebody else to know like I'm not going to have to breathe the life into them. Then the other one is drive because I find that a lot of people have ambition, like they want, 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 but they literally have no, like they make no effort to acquire the real skills or hold themselves accountable. Okay. So to me, there's a lack of accountability and ambition. And a lot of people are pacified mm -hmm. by the dream itself and they put up vision boards and they see the big house and the fast cars and all the things that they want. And 
and they never go, but how do I actually get there? Or now, because that's like more of an 80s reference. Actually, that's not true. There's a huge swath of humanity that follows certain influencers that we won't talk about. And all the influencers do is just show money, houses, cars, like mm-hmm. over and over, rinse and repeat. And it's like, ugh. So the other one that's become more insidious because of its ability to pacify people, I want to do good. I want to help. I want to have impact, uh, right? Yeah, because yeah. I, I like wake up in cold sweats that people like, they gravitate to the fact that we're called impact theory. And they're, oh, yeah, I want to have impact. How? In what way? Like when people say I want to make somebody's life better, in what way? Like hyper-specifically. I've already talked about it ad nauseum. I won't go into it here, but Jesus, like I have a specific vision for how I plan to impact people, how I plan to execute on that, how I plan to make it real. Like, and we are executing against the specifics of that every day. So because it is so beautiful to want to help other people, I think people get lost in that. So I'm not, I am not uh, an empty dreamer. I'm not interested in empty dreamers. I want people that want to execute. So that's where drive comes in. Drive is the ability to go, I'm going to like grit this out. Like I'm actually going to acquire the skills and actually going to do the work that I need to to get this done. Um, And then the last one is compassion. And compassion is where everybody falls down. When you find people that are ambitious and you find people that have drive, the, the next thing for them is normally competitiveness. Yeah. And I love competitiveness, man. Dude, I'm, I've learned to be competitive as an adult. I was not as a kid because I was always terrified I would lose. And so being um, competitive when you are wildly insecure, that's not interesting. So, But once you can train yourself to realize human potential is limitless, you can do anything you set your mind to, it's all about the grit and determination to see it through, okay, well then I'm gonna show up to play. Like I, That becomes the feedback loop. And, Am I doing the things that I need to do to be great? Am I acquiring the skills I actually need to acquire? Am I actually getting great? And so that like, when people are willing to admit that to themselves, they wanna be the greatest of all time at something, like that to me is, is an, a human that's awake in the matrix because now they're prepared to show up to play. But there's something that's way more important than that to me and that's compassion. And so to say it another way, can you, from a neurochemical standpoint, enjoy somebody else shining? Can you enjoy it? Yeah. Like when your teammate's the one that's shining, are you like, <laughs> like, and like you just don't like the spotlight not being on you, and so like you're gonna try to trip them up, fuck them up, like in subtle ways, big ways, whatever, because it's like I want the spotlight back on me. That to me is, it's gross. I'll be real honest. It's just gross. Mm -hmm. And if you have it, train it out of yourself. I believe we're malleable. So like even if you have gross, icky things in you, which I do in spades, but I am actively trying to train that shit out of myself. So yeah, like I am so excited for Lisa to do her podcast and it's going to crush. And she like, because her co-host is a massive social influencer, it's gonna be huge immediately. Yeah, yeah. And Lisa came to me and was like, basically, I don't wanna take anything away from what you do. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, I'm so excited for you. Like, the second that you feel like you have to tiptoe around me and that you can't fucking smash it, like, I would make an amazing first husband, 
right? Now, full disclosure, I would be trying to do my own thing and build my own, like I wanna win at the absolute fucking highest level. But I love when other people shine. Like, I love that. I'm the kid that pretended not to see Easter eggs when I was like five or six so that my sister could find them because she loved winning so much more than I did. Like, there's just some people, like they, I, and this is admittedly an early win for me. Like, I did not earn that at five or six. I'm just wired like that. I idolized my sister. I loved seeing her happy. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, the joy that I will get for winning this Easter egg hunt and getting this egg pales in comparison to how it will feel for me to see how happy she will get if she wins. So people that can enjoy other people shining is just, I think, good mojo. But then also from building a team perspective, when you feel you can trust people, when other people have your back, and when it's like this reciprocal loop of, there, and make no mistake, so if I'm first husband, there are still times I want to shine. I want to shine, man. And I'm going to put myself in a position to shine. I'm going to carve space for me to shine. Like, it's important. I think everybody needs those moments to really fucking shine. Techni, right? To have developed a skill, put that skill to use, helping other people, and to be recognized for it. Like, the recognition is important. Yeah. So... That's like a, a whole thing, make no mistake, like I want that just as much as anybody. But when you're on a team and it's like, oh shit, it's Agent Smith's time to shine. Like let's all get behind that. Like in fact, I don't think the person is here, but one of our teammates is gonna shine today. You know about this, right? Do I? I don't think I do. Who's here right now? Is Will here? <laughs> He's not. Okay, so but Will graduated. Yeah. So we're gonna do like a little thing just to be, to show him the love to be excited for him. Yeah. Um, you know, when somebody crushes it, we all gather around that. Like when it, yeah, behind the scenes, like we are not stingy with giving credit to other people. And that's one thing I love about this team. So that's a really long answer. Those are the three things that I look for. That is critical. It's the only way that you're gonna keep the team together. Cause if people like frenemies are the most like psychologically damaging thing in the world. If you have a frenemy, get rid of them right now right now. Enemies are fine. Everybody knows where they stand. Frenemies can, are can you, corrosive. Can you give it a definition of a frenemy? Somebody who is meaningful in your life, at times they're good to you, and at times they're bad to you. So you can't like just draw a line and distance themselves in your life. It's like, oh God, like you feel like there's this sense of um, friendship or familial obligation, so you're staying in each other's lives. Almost be a good friendship. Yeah. It's like, but then they, you find out that they undermined you in some way or whatever. And then it's just like, you, you never know like who you're dealing with. An enemy, you just know. Okay, this person's an enemy. Ah, oh, like there's actually, like even describing that, I felt myself relax. Like, oh, they're my enemy. Okay, cool. Like I know where we stand. It's all good. Like I have you in a part of my mind. But when you're a friend of me, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And I, I really, one thing I want to learn about, Chase, can you write this down for me? One thing I really want to learn about is attachment styles of kids. So I, I know enough to be dangerous about attachment styles. So um, like depending on how, they usually talk about the mother, depending on how the mother is will influence the child's attachment style. Hmm. So like if you have a bipolar parent, Sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're cruel or distant or whatever. Like you get this sort of weird ambivalent attachment style where you're hot and cold as well mm. and it's just super damaging. So, but when mom is like 
always a source of comfort, right? Then you'll go explore like you're way more confident because you know, oh God, like something happened. I fell, I scraped my knee, a friend was mean to me. Like we go back to mom, mom is always this comforting blanket and you're actually more bold and, and your attachment style, forget the name of it, but like your attachment style is stable. It's not the word they use, but you know, whatever. So it's positive. Um, so that is what a friend of me creates that like disturbance pattern. Like you're, yeah, like what do you do? How do you engage? Mm -hmm. And it creates a psychic stress. Interesting. Um, yeah, I want to give a quick, also a quick shout out to the Gary Vaynerchuk episode, because what you were saying just now reminded me of at the end of the episode, he says, I want to build the biggest building in town but not by tearing any other buildings down yeah. to do it. Like I want everyone's building to be big. I just want to, because he's competitive, yeah. I ha happen to want to build the biggest, which I loved. So if you haven't seen that episode, go check it out. It's and let's go great. hard on that for a second. So I'm, I'm going to make some really aggressive statements here. It, the reason people want to tear other people's down is because they're mentally and emotionally weak. They are damaged human beings and they're doing nothing to rectify that. Like that is... And here's the problem. Why do people bully? Yes, they're insecure, but here's the truth nobody wants to acknowledge. It's powerful. Yeah. And when you bully people, you actually feel better. And if you, it, that bully is, yeah, yeah, that bully is, when they're bullying, they're not crying inside. Right. It's the one time where they feel good about themselves because it's powerful. It is powerful. And so until you acknowledge that, it really does give them a positive reward. So to go to a bully and say, hey, like this is really a cry for help. No, it's not. Like that's the one part of their life that's working. You have to replace it. You've got to give them other ways to shine that are constructive, that give them that feeling of power and empowerment and control. All things that we all want. Yeah. So this is somebody that probably has a relationship with those closest to them that makes them feel powerless. I won't say they're probably being abused, but they're just not getting that sense of power, control, um, pride anywhere else. And so they have found that, oh, well, I can prey on the weak, which they're not thinking of it like that. They just like feel dominant and that feels awesome. And so they get into this super negative pattern. So teaching people that it's okay to want to have the biggest building. That's okay. Like that's a human trait. Like, and not everybody cares about that. Sure. That's not driving everybody, but it is absolutely like, I'm the same. I want to build the biggest business. Like I want to build the biggest, greatest studio of all time. I want to be the greatest interviewer of all time. I want people to recognize me as the goat interviewer, like, and not with any degree of hesitation, right? I want that. Yeah. That seems awesome. I'm not going to crumble as a human being if I don't pull it off, but that's awesome. And that's exciting for me to strive towards. Like I want to do that. And the fact that I see how becoming the greatest of all time in interviewing and building this community around being me, like how that fuels the ethos of the media company. Like I see that thread. I see that connection. So it's like, oh my God, the two things I really am enjoying and I, I love acquiring the skill set and all of that, like they self-reinforce. That's how I know we've got the timing right. So it's like, this is amazing, but make no mistake, I, I want to win yeah. over everyone, but I don't, I don't want to fuck anybody. Like, think about it right now. So I would say that from a, an influencer standpoint, Gary's ahead of me, right? Yeah. Just, it, it just seems objectively true to me. 
The numbers don't lie. Right? Yeah. Perfect. Numbers don't lie. Market is spoken. But when he came on, did I try to fuck him up? No. Or did I try, like, with all of my heart to make him shine, to give him a platform to show us how to, right? Like, and I believe that's the winning strategy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I want, not only do I not want to tear other people's buildings down, I want to help them build theirs. Yeah. I just still want to build a better one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I love that. And, and I you love can do that. both. But I think that's where people get tripped up is they feel like they can't do both, right? And you can. 100%. You can. Cool. I think we should probably wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then I'll put this down. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. These are so fun. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying the incredible human beings that agree to come on the show uh, as much as we are. I am honored by every guest that comes on and shares. It's the same way I feel about authors, that they are willing to take this stuff. Like Dr. Andy Walsh has spent decades acquiring this knowledge and he just shares it openly, which I think is absolutely incredible. So I uh, just want to express my gratitude to each and every one of them. And then uh, each and every one of you, we just crossed 50,000 on Facebook, Facebook yeah. which is amazing. We don't take a single person for granted. Thank you guys all so much. And if you haven't already subscribed, please be sure to do so. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.